0: And
1: answers.
0: As we head into the Easter season, where around the world we celebrate and observe a glorious event. As Christians, we know that without Christ dying on the cross for our sins, we would not have the hope of eternal life. God is holy, and only through Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, we do have a hope that we will live forever in eternity with Him what a joy we have to celebrate. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zukran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today on our broadcast, Pat will share a message entitled, He Chose the Cross. Now, here's Pat.
1: And knowing the danger that awaited him, he boarded the plane in America on the East Coast and made that long journey to Manila. And sitting on that plane, he probably knew his journey home, this would be his final hours. But unwaveringly, he chose to go back home to the Philippines. And upon landing, and I remember watching the video of the last moments of his life, I remember watching that video. Immediately, Filipino government soldiers entered the plane to escort him to a vehicle that was waiting at the bottom of the runway to take him off to prison. However, when he set foot on the runway, he was asked to kneel, and they executed him right there on the runway. And I remember seeing that. Do any of you remember that? Just the... uh, Three of you. Okay, good. Any Filipinos in here, man? No? No Pinoy power tonight? Oh, man. Oh, we had Filipinos here. No? Hey, all right, be proud, man. Come on. <laughs> but, you know, I remember and how it felt that day, just the horror of seeing his body lying on the runway, you know, the anger of injustice, but also the despair as the hope of a nation for freedom, seem to have come to an end. And those are the very emotions the disciples of Jesus felt. And perhaps you feel as you start reading of the illegal arrest of Jesus here in John 18, the hopes of a nation that their Messiah has finally come, sin and death will be defeated, and the kingdom of God would be coming because the king has now arrived. But now he is going to be arrested and taken away to be crucified. And, you know, Aquino's choice to return is similar to the choice Jesus made to leave the safety of Jerusalem and go to the outskirts of the city to the isolated garden there to meet his enemies, knowing exactly what his fate was going to be. The life application we learn is this. That men will always continue to plot and scheme to thwart the plans of God. But God's plans are never thwarted. What may seem a tragedy, God can use because he's always in control to bring about his purpose. As dark as the night may seem, God is working. Using those situations in a way sometimes only... He. He'll understand and, and some is the only way we'll understand, maybe many years later, to bring about his purpose. Here Jesus was still in charge, choosing the place. Then, secondly, choosing to meet his enemy instead of running. Jesus chose to meet his enemies here. It reads in verse 4. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? And they answered, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. And when Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I told you, I am he. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of those whom you gave me. I have lost none. Verse 4 says, Jesus knew everything that was going to happen to him. Being God incarnate, being God in the flesh, he knew exactly what was to take place. Nothing that was happening was not out of his control. So far from being a helpless victim, Jesus knew exactly what was going to occur. And instead of retreating in fear or trying to run Jesus actually, the text says, stepped forward and met them and asked, who are you looking for? And it says in verse 5, Judas was standing there with him. It must have broke the heart of Jesus to see his friend there leading the mob to betray him and take him to prison. I talked to a friend just recently who was being, you know, taken to court and sued by his ex-wife. And he said, when I got into the courtroom, we were ready for a battle, but when I saw her, my heart just broke, and I couldn't take another step. Here's someone I loved and spent years with. I wish he'd, she'd return home, but instead, she was there to lay a lawsuit on me. And my heart just broke. I couldn't walk into that courtroom seeing her there. And that's how Jesus must have felt seeing Judas there leading this mob to come and arrest jesus yet despite his broken heart and fear of seeing the mob jesus approached them and he said who are you looking for and they said jesus of nazareth and it says here jesus responded says i am he and when he identifies himself it says the men fell to the ground right now the in the niv it says i am he but the greek literally reads i am ego me okay and he said, I am. And they fell to the ground. Now, what happened here? Well, some people believe that Jesus was repeating the words from Exodus chapter 3. Okay? When Moses asked, God, what is your name? And God said, I am. And so some commentators feel when Jesus said, Ego eimi," or I am, they knew what he was claiming. And those powerful words is what caused them to fall back. I don't particularly take that position, but that's a fine position to take. The reason I don't take that position is because in John chapter 8, he said the same thing, right? They said, who are you that you have authority over the law and all these things? you greater than our father Abraham? And Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am ego emi. Okay, and they didn't fall back. So I don't think that's what was happening there. I think what happened was this. I think the soldiers came out secretly at night to make this illegal arrest, and they thought they would be looking for a fleeing peasant running away. But instead, they were met by a commanding figure who, instead of running away, came to meet them and speaks to them with authority as they had never seen before. So the combination of Jesus' boldness commanding presence and statement produced a moment of terror and the soldiers stepped back in fear or in awe. And when Jesus unexpectedly advanced, those soldiers in the front, you know, stepped back. And as they collapsed, the soldiers behind them stumbled and fell as well. Hey, I believe that's what was going on. And here Jesus at this time requests that his disciples be set free, so even in this moment, he displays his selfless love, requesting that his disciples be set free, fulfilling the prophecy he made of himself in John 17:12, he said, "When I was with them, I kept them safe and watched over them in your name, that you have given me, not one of them was lost except for one destined for destruction, so that the scripture may be fulfilled. You see, Jesus accomplished everything that he wanted to do instead of running he chose to meet his enemies and stay there you know there's a story i was reading of the port town in japan of minami sanriku and that was hit by the deadliest tsunami in the history of japan and among the gutted buildings that still stand across the empty stretches are the skeletal remains of the three story disaster preparedness center where Miki Endo and Takeshi Mura served as radio operators. And on March 11, 2011, they were warned of a coming tsunami. And from the second floor of their building, they sounded the alarm and sent out messages throughout the town's loudspeakers telling people to get to higher ground or a tsunami was approaching. And as the tsunami approached, they saw that 50-foot wave drawing closer and closer. And as it drew closer, they could see that the waves were much higher than the building that they were in. They could see the mighty wave hammer down the retaining wall like it was a wall of, of toothpicks and rumble towards their building. And as they heard the thunderous roar of the wave and looked at the dark curtain, swallowing everything in its path, instead of escaping as they could have, they chose to stay at their post and continue warning people to evacuate and get to higher ground. What a terrifying sight that must have been to see a 50-foot wave with all the debris, boulders, uh, trucks, cars coming right at you. You know, I get scared when I go surfing. And I see a five-foot wave, man. You know, I remember going into one. It was coming down on me and poof, took me under. That was the scariest thing in the world. Well imagine a 50-foot wave coming at you, flinging all this debris in front of you here, the terror in their eyes and the pounding in their hearts that these two must have had as they saw this monster wave coming at them must have just been frightening and excruciating. But they chose to stay, and they stayed at their post until their building was hit and their bodies were never found. They continued to air the warning until their building was hit and then their voices were heard no more. And to this day, their bodies have not been found, probably blown out to sea. There's no telling the hundreds of lives they saved because they chose to remain at their post. And it's just like Jesus Christ, who could have taken off, who could have run. We know him being the divine son of God could have made some kind of escape, but instead he chose to stay eh, and face his enemies. Place himself in their hands, knowing full well what was about to take place. And you see, God's plans are not thwarted, even when it seems evil has triumphed. Therefore, we can and must trust God, even in the darkest of moments. You know, in Psalm 10, the psalmist struggles and asks, God, where are you? Why are you hiding? Why are you silent while the evil prosper and the righteous suffer? That's a struggle that we all go through. But in the end, the psalmist says, I don't understand, but I trust you anyway. And that's where we need to be as disciples of Christ, even in those dark moments to trust God, to obey him, to face even our greatest fears with him, knowing he's in control. He is with us. And somehow, somehow he's working all things to fulfill his purpose. Jesus chose To meet his enemies. Jesus chose the place to meet them. And finally, Jesus chose to submit and give himself to his enemies. It says here, this was to fill the word he had spoken of. Of those whom you gave to me, I have lost not one. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the father has given me. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. And It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. So Jesus had just secured the release of his disciples, but then here comes Peter, and he foolishly pulls out his sword and strikes off the ear of the temple servant named All right, now imagine this, with hundreds of soldiers and guards there armed to the teeth, waiting, waiting for some kind of confrontation to take place, right, and guys, you know how it is, right when testosterone is flowing and uh, you're just waiting for something to happen one guy pulling out his sword and cutting off a servant's ear that's like striking a match room filled with gas right you know when i talked to my friends who are police officers i said how come when there's a guy when you guys have a chase and a guy jumps out of his car and run 30 of you jump and pile on the guy you know, you only need one or two. I mean, there's like 30 guys jumping on them. And he goes, man, we're filled with testosterone and adrenaline. We're looking to get some action, man. Well, that's what it was like this. I mean, they're, they're waiting for a confrontation. And Peter strikes off the ear of this temple guard, okay? So you can imagine they're ready to go. And suddenly Jesus, being in charge of the whole thing, takes charge right away. What could have been a okay, death for his disciples, He orders Peter to put his sword back. And according to Luke chapter 22, we know what happens. He takes the ear of the servant, puts it back on the servant, and heals the servant, thus calming the mob instantly. In Matthew 26, Jesus tells Peter, don't you know that I can call down more than 12 legions of angels? A legion is 6,000 soldiers. He said, man, I can call 72,000 angels down here. And we could be set free. But the only reason that this crowd could lead Jesus away was because it was the will of his father and of the son. Jesus acted in such a way as to stop a massacre and secure the release of his disciples, turn himself over to the Jewish ruling council. But in all this, he was in complete control. He remained Lord always, submitting perfectly to the will of the Father, even though it was going to a place he did not want to go. You know, that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ sometimes. It means obeying God, obeying his commands, even if it takes us to places we don't want to go. You know, in 1989, uh, there's a story of George Attlee, a missionary with the Central African Mission. He was there in Central Africa And he had worked there for many years trying to befriend a band of hostile tribesmen. But one day, he landed there, and he was surrounded by nearly three dozen hostile tribesmen. And Attlee was prepared. He had a pistol and a fully loaded 10-chamber Winchester rifle to defend himself. But they had come with spears pointed And he knew that this confrontation was not going to end well. And in just a few moments, he had to make a critical choice. He could choose to shoot his attackers and rescue himself. But that would run the risk of negating his work as a Christian missionary and set years back for other missionaries the work of trying to reach these people for Christ or he could not defend himself, and he would be killed. Well, we don't know how things happened, but when his body was found a couple weeks later downstream, it is evident that he had chosen not to defend himself. For nearby they found his rifle and his pistol. All chambers were fully loaded, and he had made the supreme sacrifice Motivated by his devotion to Christ, instead of defending himself, which he could have easily done, he chose the path to obey God, to sacrifice, and he met his death. But it wasn't in vain for just a few years later that entire tribe remembered George. And when missionaries came again, this time because of his sacrifice, they wondered why are these men coming back? After we killed one of theirs, they listened to these men as they shared the gospel and that entire tribe came to Christ. And as Jesus submitted to the will of his father perfectly and it took him to a place he did not want to go, discipleship means complete submission to the will of God, even if that means going to places where we would not choose to go on our own. Maybe you're in a really tough marriage, but God wants you to stay in it, work things through. Well, the easy way, go out and find someone else, right? Perhaps God is calling you to stay in it and work through it. A choice you probably wouldn't make on your own, but you know that's God's will for you. Perhaps you're in a job, and man, you want to get out of that job and go to more greener pastures. But perhaps you have key relationships there, and God wants you there for a few more years until your mission is accomplished, and then he'll have you move on. Perhaps discipleship means forgiving someone who has really done you wrong. Whatever it may mean, discipleship means complete submission to the will of the Father. Even that means doing things and going to places we would not choose to go on our own. Death on the cross was the path that Jesus chose. He could at numerous moments have chosen another option, He could have just wiped out mankind for all he wanted, and God would have been perfectly in his righteous, just, uh, would have been perfectly just to do so. Or he could have left us in our sin and our condemned state. But instead, he chose the path of the cross for you and for me. You know, on a radio show, I was asked by an atheist, and Thomas said, he said, I got a question for you. I said, sure. He goes, God know everything? I said, yeah. Past, present, future? Yeah. God know that uh, man would screw up and cause all this wickedness and evil and that uh, he would have to die and all this to forgive our sin and get us to heaven? I said, yep. So he said, well, that seems kind of lame. Why did God create man in the first place? I said, God created man out of love, knowing that it would cost him everything to rescue us from sin and death. And knowing all of that, he chose to do so because he loved each one of us. And I said, let me give you an illustration. I said, you got kids? He said, yeah. I said, do you expect them to wake up every morning and say, mom, dad, how can I bless you this morning? What can I do for you? Can I clean the yard? Can I cook? No. You know, there are times that uh, things may get really tough. I mean, there are going to be sleepless nights with children, nights of discipline. Kids may turn 18 and look at you and say, I hate everything about you. I'm out of here, and I never want to see you again. Kid may fall terribly sick. You're going to have to donate an organ or something to save the kid's life. It may cost you everything. Parents know that. So why have kids? Why? Love. You and your wife love each other and and want to share that love in a special way with someone in your image that you can love in a very special way that you can't love anyone else. That's why you have kids. Even if it's going to cost you everything, it's worth it. That's what God said. It's going to cost me everything to rescue from sin and death, but it's worth it, and I want to do it. And he did not hesitate, knowing all that it would cost him, to rescue you and me from eternal sin and death. And he did not hesitate to do it. And the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ is there for you. God came seeking and looking for you. He knew what it would cost to rescue you from sin and death, and he gave everything he had to save you from eternal separation from him. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can have the gift of eternal life tonight from a God who gave it all to rescue you from sin and death. That's by trusting in his son, Jesus Christ, as your one and only Lord and Savior, who died for your sin and arose from the dead. If you trust him tonight, place him as Lord of your life, then you can have everlasting life with God through his son Jesus Christ. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave everything, all that he had, his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should never perish, but have everlasting life. The path of the cross was not the one Jesus wanted, but he chose the cross for you and for me. Let's pray together. Thank you, Lord, for choosing the cross. You could have been perfectly just in allowing us to die and be eternally separated from you, but you chose to die for us because of love, because of grace. And so I pray that if there are any here who have not experienced that tremendous love and grace you have to offer, that perhaps tonight or in days to come, they would give their lives to you. Or perhaps for some, this is the first time they've heard this message, that perhaps uh, the search would begin tonight and for those of us who have been walking with you for years may we come to a new understanding and appreciation of the choice you made for us you didn't have to but you chose the cross and that was for us we pray we would come to a greater appreciation of that tonight in jesus name amen
0: thank you for joining us here on evidence and answers radio broadcast We hope you enjoyed Pat's show today. If you would like Pat to speak at your church or Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call at 483-0586, or you may contact him through our Evidence & Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find that we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download, so be sure to share our website with those around you evidence and answers is grateful for our key sponsor highland capital management providing investors with alternative investment solutions to learn more visit them online at hcmlp.com join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in christ that's evidence and answers with pat zucran